Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Miracle Sunday. How are we going there, church? All good? You know, expectation is the birthplace of miracles. If you've come in here today with anything less than expectation, you're going to sell yourself short. I don't care what you are looking for today. I don't care what you're expecting today, uh, what you believe in God for today. But let me explain to you that there's going to be people inside of this room today that will walk out. They'll never be the same. They'll, they'll never ever, you'll never ever consider Jesus in the same way. You'll never ever think of God's authority, God's power, God's ability in the same way. Why do I say that? Not because I know that God can do it. I just know God wants to do it. So there's a really big difference here. God really wants to change people's in life today. And the reason that I can do it with really confidence, real good confidence, because I started in a room with less people than this, right? By the time I was 35 years old, I was penniless. So what God's done in my life has been based around what I'm going to be speaking about today. So I just want you to lean in today. I want you to have an expectation that, that God has got something for you no matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're believing for. No matter what you think is dead in your life, I'm here to tell you that God can resurrect the dead. God can rearrange anything that you have forgotten about, everything that you have put on the shelf, anything that you think, well, God, that's just gone, gone too far. I'm gone too old. I just haven't got it. That hasn't happened. Let me explain to you, God is bigger than what you could ever imagine and he he never calls it dead. He never calls it dead. So if you've got a desire in your heart, if you've got something just sitting there, just saying, I really need God to come in as a miracle. Today is your day. Today is the day that God wants to speak to you. God wants to create something new and something fresh in you. You know, sister, I just watched you stand up with everyone else sitting down. I watched you stand up and I watched you worship God. Let me explain. You are a young teenage girl. The world is calling you this way and that way, but you're going to make some right decisions. You're going to make some decisions and you're, and you're going to see the miracle power of God in an extraordinary way, in an incredible different way. If your name's Stagger, put your hand up. Let me explain. In the next, in, in the next, in the next two weeks, you're going to see three things. You're going to see three distinctive things of the miracle working power of God. You're going to, you're going to look at it and say, my goodness me, could God really do that? You're sitting in a room with a handful of people, but let me tell you this. This is what God has said to you today, that God is going to bring three miracles that are just going to blow your mind. You know, there's a, there, there, there is a couple of things that a lot of pastors or preachers really try to avoid. The two are money and sex. Right, so, you know, considering I've got my mother-in-law, I've got my wife, and I've got one of my sons here, I'm really glad that I get to speak about money today. <laughs> you get the sex. So, you know, what, what I found is uh, money moves to us and money moves away from us. We receive and we give. When we talk about giving, 
we just think about giving it away. When most, most of the time when I, when I talk to people, all they think about is, well, well, you're talking about me giving away my money. So where does your money go? That's a pretty good question. Today I'm going to share very briefly some word, some testimony, and some quotations. These quotations have been revelation to me from the word. The reason I'm going to put them up on, the, on there is because I go back to these and they continue change my life as the word has changed my life. As God revealed these truths to me, as I put them into my life, I continually go back to them. So I, I have put them on the board today and I just trust that you are going to, you're going to hear what God has got to say. I have three mothers. Odd thing. Okay, I've got my mother-in-law. She's sitting here. I have another mother who, who shared exactly the same birthday as my mum. And for many years, she was my mother in Western Australia. And my, the two mothers, uh, my natural mother as well, was, was so, so gracious and, and, and explained everything about my, the faults in my life so she was able to help me. And um, I was just so blessed to have three mothers. All three of them have taught me how to be generous, how to give. And it's really, it's just an incredible thing. But it's funny because when, when you are outside of the church, the Bible says that the, the gospel is foolishness to those who, who don't believe. And you see, I used to watch my mother do some stuff in church when she got saved in later days, which was really disturbing me. And those things were giving. So I remember going to church with my dad and, and with the invite with my mum, and I went in, went in there and I remember listening to, 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 to worshipping God, speaking in tongues, going through the word and then worshipping again. And I'm holding my dad's hand really, really strongly. And I remember this one thing that got me, watching my mum give her money. And I thought, whoa, that's, that's a bit tough. My mum doesn't have much money and I'm watching her and I thought, that's about half of what she's got. She just gave away. So, being a good son, I got together with my dad. My dad made a good suggestion at the time. He said, um, let's take mum out of the will. So, <laughs> that's exactly what we did. You see, we decided that we didn't want my mum to start giving all her money to the church. Yeah, yeah, we got her real good, eh? Yeah. So, so we, we took her out of the will. We did have to reverse that somewhat down the track, though. <laughs> Something happened, yeah. So I got saved. So, so, so here was the thing. Here was the thing that really got me. During the course, early course of my, my Christian walk, I wanted to give, I didn't have any money, and I just said to God, God, I've just got nothing, and I've got nothing to live on, I've got, I've got, I've got no funds at all. And God said to me very clearly that your mum's left a deposit. So what I did is I went online to those lost deposits. So I looked up my mum's name to see whether I could find whether my mum had left the bank account specifically for me, right? True. She had not left the bank account specifically for Martin. No. So I went back to God and God said, 
Your mother has left a deposit and you need to draw from it. You see, I watched my mum every Sunday go out and go into church and I knew that she was just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And what happened is many, many years ago, after she passed, I was starting to get, I was starting to receive from that what my mum had planted for many years. So son, when I leave this planet, when your mum leaves this planet, there's a bank account there for you guys. Yeah. Right. So my first quotes for the day is giving is taking part of your today and sending it into your future wrapped in expectation giving is letting go of what you can see to create something you can't see so what are we actually giving so from the word of god and god who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with the seed you need and will make it grow to produce a rich harvest from your generosity. God supplies seed to sowers and bread to eaters. The decision that we make with what God gives us is whether we become a sower or an eater. God gives us a very clear decision of what we can do with what he gives us. But God loves me regardless, correct? Well, he does, yeah. But this is what I say about that. God loves you because whom you are, but he blesses you for what you do. That has been my experience. God's never stopped loving me, but I have seen his hand move in my, hand, in my life when I go out and I move upon what God wants me to do. You know, when we actually, when we actually give, we're, all we're doing is planting seed. You know, every blessing that God gives you always comes in a seed form. It always comes in a seed form. He didn't, when I said, God, I needed a business, he didn't just give me a business, he gave me an opportunity. He gave it to me in a seed form. It was my choice what I needed, what I wanted to do with that seed. He didn't, give us a, he didn't give the early church a chair or a table. He gave them a tree. What are you going to do with what I've just given you and put into your hand? A, correct, a correctly used seed will see a correctly shaped harvest. There is seed time and harvest time. There is a correct time to sow and the harvest will follow. You know, we seek God for financial provision and he gives us seed to be able to grow that financial um, provision. You know, I invest in my children for the long term and I invest them into life. I invest them into business. I invest them into church. God didn't give me five teenagers. God's gracious. God gave me five babies via a seed and I had to invest into them so they could become the adults that they are for the future. Your seed is the only voice you have in your future. Your seed is an instruction to your future. You know, I watch wise business people invest. They're giving, they're investing for the next 10 years 
not just the next three years. Giving is not lost. It has transferred what God gave you now to the season that is ahead of you. I want to very quickly touch on the seven benefits of giving. Giving is evidence of your obedience to God. Luke 6.38, given and be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, anyone can say that they love God. Oh, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. I love God. But when the scripture instructs you to do something and it instructs you to sacrifice when it hurts, then our heart is involved. Our heart becomes connected with it. You see, many years ago, I was in a room and uh, I, I was a man of, of little means. I'll say that, little means. God asked me to take $10 out of my pocket and give that $10 to a, a lady who I wouldn't have known exactly her situation, but I wouldn't have thought $10 was going to change her, not change her life. So I took the $10, I, I gave it to her, and about a week later, the husband of that lady walked up to me and started prophesying over my life that there was going to be a going, a coming, a going, a coming. You're going out, you're coming back in. There's going out, you're coming back in. And I thought, I have got nothing like that that relates to my life. Two months later, I was appointed as a marketing manager and I spent, I spent 10 days out, uh, uh, four, four days back, 10 days out, four days out. I went around Australia and, and overseas during that period of time. You see, I got a funny feeling that that $10 unlocked a prophetic voice over my life. I didn't want to give the $10. But my, that obedient, obedience at the time, I recently, uh, I think I mentioned this previously, that um, I was in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, and I was coming out, and I just noticed this young pastor had watched my sunglasses the whole time I was, I was there. And I felt in the morning God wanted me to give these sunglasses to this guy. Now, these were $300 sunglasses. These were, had my name written on them. They had it. These were, these, were for, these were my sunglasses. They were specifically designed for me. I like them. And God said, I want you to give these sunglasses. And I just thought, oh, God, that is so harsh, you know. First up, I, I, I just rebuked it. No, it's wrong. And then I thought, no, I've got to do this. Cut a long story short, when I, I gave him some money, and I gave him the sunglasses. The sunglasses brought the tears to his eyes. You see, two days beforehand, he had a, a son in the house who had no father, no mother. And the only thing, it was his birthday, and the only thing that he had to give him was his own sunglasses. And he said, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'll sacrifice that. When he saw my sunglasses, he had sunglass envy. <laughs> but you see, I changed somebody's life by being obedient to what God wants me to do. Giving sets our priorities straight. Matthew 6, 2021. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Set your mind on things above not on earthly things. I can check where your heart is. 
I can check where your priorities are by checking your bank account and checking with the withdrawals that are made. I can know where your treasure is in what you sow your life into. I can look inside of that and say, okay, this is where, this is where you are at in life. Number three, giving increases our faith. Giving is clearly a matter of trust. The more you give, the more you learn to trust God that you'll have enough left over for your, for your own needs. And the more you trust, and the, the more you'll give. Put your money where your mouth is. I trust God. I put him to the test. So the scripture, bring your whole tithe into the, into the storehouse. There may be food in, your, in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw up, open up the windows, the floodgates of heaven, and pour out a blessing but we're not enough room to store it. I often am reluctant to go to this scripture because it actually speaks to the leadership in the church. It speaks to the leadership about how they use their money because there was a format of how money was to be used. And what God was saying to the leaders was, hmm, I don't think you're using that money wisely. You're robbing God in how you're distributing the money. However, God calls us all to be leaders. When you open your hand, God opens his window. Your giving is a picture of your trust in, Jesus, in, in God. The seed you sow today will become your harvest tomorrow. Some time ago, many years ago, my wife and I had given the biggest uh, offering to date that we ever had. We had given $28,000 into an offering. The following week, as we saw the church come to a place where more money was going to make a significant difference, we decided that we would look in what we have and we took everything that we had. Now, I won't tell you how much that was, but it was a significant amount of money. It was a, well, I sat with my wife and we, I just said, what do you think? And she said, this is what we have to do. So we took everything that we had. It was a significant amount of money and we, and we sewed it into the church. That allowed the church to move forward into a new season. And that was a whole new start and a whole new season for our life. What we could start to believe for because of what we engaged in that time was exponentially bigger than what we could have done, I believe, if we sat there and allowed that first offering to be the only place that we could be. The harvest you expect depends on the seed that you sow. Your seed is the only voice you have in your future. Giving is emptying your present to fill up your future. Four, giving acknowledges that God owns it all. Deuteronomy 10:14. Look around you. Everything you see is God's. The heaven above and beyond. 
the earth and everything in it. If we're going to be truly surrendered to God, then everything we have is his. Well, after all, can anyone in this room tell me that they own something that God hasn't given them? Everything that we have, God has given us. And so, you know, I just feel that if we take that mindset that God owns everything, all we need to do is just be good stewards with what he gives us. Every time you show honour, you create favour. When you honour God, acknowledging him that he owns it, you create favour in your life. The soil of gratitude is the most fertile for a harvest. I am so thankful of what God has given me in my life. Giving leads to joy. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I came back from Sydney and Melbourne last night and uh, I was blessed. I got put into business class to come back and um, I was tapping away on my computer, just preparing this and just adding and just watching it. I don't think I've ever been so challenged. I I don't know why. And I got home and I said to Sam and to Raquel, I said, we need to sit down and we need to talk about this because we need to make sure that we're not giving out of the wrong heart, that we're not, we're not doing this reluctantly, we're not doing this out of the wrong motive because I want to be a cheerful giver. And we sat there and we broke it down, we broke it down, we broke it down and by the time that Sam and Raquel had finished preaching at me, I was back in the position where I needed to be. The original meaning for, for cheerful is joyful, cheerful, non-reluctant, already inclined and won over. God has won me over. God has won me over with my giving. In other words, give in anticipation to what God will do and multiply for his purposes. This kind of giving produces joy and excitement of wanting to give more. Your willingness to give is proof of your love. The gift, your gift is a path for divine promotion. You know, it's funny. Some of the times, and it wasn't the largest amounts, it's when it meant more to me, is when God moved the most in my life. It was when I, I said, you know, God, I had so many purposes for this. I had so many things. This is meaningful for me. Through that, God promoted me in the spirit in my family, in my business, in my finances. 
Every single time God gave me that path of divine promotion. Giving blesses us abundantly. Giving is the channel through which God's blessings flow. Give and you'll receive. Your gift returned to you, full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more. Oh, gee, I love that. I love that. I love the fact that he's going to shake things in my life to make room for more. Running over and poured out into my lap, the amount you give will determine the amount that you'll give back. Okay, so this is like, yeah, God's sort of in control of everything here. He's watching how we're doing. He's watching our commitment and he's going, I will determine what's going to happen in your life, son. Your business transactions aren't determined by your skill, by your ability, by who you think you are, by, by you sitting at the right table. I will put you at the right table. I will determine what's going to happen in your life. And that has been my experience. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, in, regardless of how many tough times I've had, how many tough times I've taken my family through, we have never gone without. I have never gone to the fridge and opened it and said, we have nothing. God has always ensured that we have had enough. God's always ensured that when I've wanted to bless someone, I've always had something in my pocket to be able to bless someone with. One person gives freely, yet another gains even, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. I have seen some very poor rich people. People that have held money into themselves and they have a very different sort of poverty. They have a poverty in life. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is a promise of abundance to those who abundantly give. God doesn't want to take it from you. He just simply wants to get it to you. Your seed is a magnet for miracles. Sowing a seed is an invitation for divine intervention. Your future is decided by the problems that you solve for others. I was in London with my son Samuel and we were sitting in a restaurant having a steak as you do in a steakhouse and I, there was a family beside us, and um, a couple, sorry, beside us. And I started to talk to them, and I, 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 I twigged that they were from the Philippines. And I said, hey, you know, what's brought you here? And he started to unpack that his wife wanted to come here to go to, and go to France, and they had saved for 20 years. 20 years they had been saving to get to that place. 
And I watched them as they watched what we had ordered. But I noted very clearly that these people were not in the same place that they could order off the menu, so to speak. So we watched them and we talked to them and I was watching my son look at these people and I was watching what was happening in his head and I could see where he was going with this and I thought, okay, I know this. So we called the waiter over and we paid for their meal without them knowing it. And the waiter was just shocked. He said, what, what? I said, oh, man, just, just bless these people. I just, just want them to have a great night. Just, just, I just want to pay for, their, pay for their meal. So the meal cost is 160 bucks. Two weeks later, I am, in, I am in somewhere in Europe and someone fronted up for a 650 euro dinner for me. God brought my mind straight back to when I blessed those people at that table. When I was um, in Africa a number of years ago, I, uh, I was preaching there and I took out an envelope like this one and had money in there. And uh, I selected this family and I selected this person. Here's sister, just be blessed, eh? I selected this person and I gave him this money and there was, a, there was something about them and I ended up talking to them in the end and they had, they, they, they had a, a, a few kids, husband and wife, and there was, there was a need. There was a need and they were frightened about that need and I, I didn't know that, I had no idea because I had a, a room full of people and I just plucked these people out. So I, I, I just gave it to them and about three months later, my family was in New York and we had been a guest We've been invited to go and, and be at this conference. Now, if any of you have ever been in New York, you know, you, you go and you rent a place, a hotel room, and it's the size of this here. And, um, you know, that's about 550 US dollars a night. Oh, you want breakfast with that? Let me tell you, brother, that's expensive, right? Someone walked in from the church and said, oh, you guys can't stay here. Oh, we'll just, we'll just push you in. We'll, we'll get you somewhere else. So they put us into a three-bedroom suite with two bathrooms in Manhattan. Fear gripped me. No, no, no. no. I was there for five nights. And I'm thinking, for the other place, that size was 550 US dollars a night. I am petrified of what this was going to cost me. And I remember, I remember waking up in the morning and I, I, I was literally... I couldn't even open my mouth. I was so fearful of how much that thing was going to cost me, right? This was really bad, you know. You see it in the movies, these great big suites, and here's my kids racing around doing everything. Oh, this is great, Dad. This is great. Yeah, you got no idea what this is going to cost us, son. So I went down. I went down there, and I was, I was so scared, and I brought my credit card out, and they said, what room, sir? And I told them the room, and they said, someone came this morning and paid your bill. I said, who was it? I said, I don't know. Oh, bless them, eh? Bless them. God brought me back to that time in Africa. He said, you took the fear from someone else's life. I'm taking the fear from your life. 
Giving makes us more compassionate, involved in God's work. Let me, let me explain. Our marriage has been one where we have just continually wanting to get deeper and deeper into God. And we have found that our giving has allowed us to be able to get more involved in God, more compassionate about what God really, really feels about. You see, money has not grabbed us. What I can honestly say about my wife, she has, she has just incredibly pushed and pushed and pushed these boundaries and said, no, 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 we can do this. We do, we do not need to have, we do not need to do that. We can do this. Giving spreads the gospel. That's the black and white of it. Your seed is the only voice you have for your future. Giving is the only proof you have conquered greed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to short this a little bit. It's out of 2 Corinthians 8, and it's about the church giving so much out of so little. And, and they... And they, and they they watched in awe as these people gave out of their poverty. They, they gave out it so as, so as they could give to the other Christians, that they could build ahead of themselves. They could build ahead of, what they, of, what, of where they were. But what astounded them was a small group of people with very little means came together and did something significant. Today we got an opportunity for a small group of people to do something significant. In Luke 2, in Luke 2 I saw 21, 1 to 4, Jesus looked up, saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two mites, two very small coins. I tell you, she said, this poor widow has put more than all the others. All the people gave the gifts out of their wealth, but out of her poverty, she put all that she had. I mentioned last time I spoke about the time when I was in, in prayer and fasting in the church and I sowed $68, my, all that I had. Now, I'm not telling you to give all you had. That was a prompt from God. It was a, it was a challenge from God for me. It was something that I just felt for whatever reason, it was, I just needed more, more, a better life. I was like the woman with two mites. I was just going to throw everything I've got in because if this is worth putting my time in, if this is worth putting my effort in, if this is worth putting my money in, I'm going to go all in. You know, sister, when you, when you preach that all in, that all in, that, 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 that really got me, you know. And, you know, it, it just, it just I, I just saw the opportunity to take what I had and put, put it in there. Out of that, as you may recall, I had a blank check given to me, an $8,000 uh, ring, and, and a, given a job that day, all in one day, and that job leads me to do what I do today, one bit at a time. I remember um, when I was in the Philippines, David Sumrall um, had taken on his church, and he took up an, uh, an offering, and he just said, just bring in what you got. Just bring in what you got, right? So this is the Philippines. So people are bringing in their their their, their, uh, their mangoes and their bananas and their and and their bread and, and whatever. And the church went out and they got, they could go and sell it and and make some money. And there was this one guy there who he 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 was trading in toilet paper. So he he put some toilet paper and he's a practical man. This guy. Hey, we got so many people living in this place. 
you know, toilet paper's a reality. So he was selling toilet paper. So he put in what he could. So here's the story. He put it in. He suddenly got a bigger network to sell. He, he suddenly decided that buying from someone else wasn't the best thing. So God opened up the door. So he started manufacturing toilet paper. Now they call him Mr. Toilet Paper because he sells more toilet paper than anyone else in the Philippines. The church is a building big enough now to carry 36,000 people and he's got seven campuses now in different places. And it started from a very small seed. You see, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Every time you sow a seed, you establish a new beginning. When we wanted a new beginning, when my wife and I wanted a new beginning, we had a choice. We had the seed to put into our house. We had the $15,000 to sow into our house. We had the house that had the need. So we decided that we would put God's house first. So we put God's house first. We sowed our $15,000. We did not have to borrow a cent to build our house. From scratch, all the way through a three-story house in Mindari, God supplied everything. You see, I made a decision that day that there was an opportunity for us as a family to get a new beginning, to make it happen for somebody else, and God was going to make it happen for us. That changed our whole life. I want to very quickly go through the pathway of my church life in picture so you can just see something. So the first picture is a, is, is a place. This is a community hall. I walked into this place many years ago with a pair of board shorts, a T-shirt and a push bike into a bump in, bump out with 30 people in the room. With 30 people in the room. And all of a sudden... The man of God just came over and just started to speak into my life. He started to declare my future. And I thought there was something inside of this house. There's something inside of what, what is happening with these 30 people that has the capacity to change my life. I'm going to stay in there. So every, every time I had the opportunity to give, we started to give. We then came out of that bump in, bump out, and we went to the next place, which now happens to be another church. <laughs> See, what we did is we got together, we put together our money, we moved to the next place. The people that had the skills, the people that had the ability came in and we built inside of it and we built the, the kids' church and we built the entry and we, and we were so happy, we were so pleased and we could, we could start it to grow and we just started to flourish in that place. We went from 30 to about 300 really quickly and it just was astounding, you know. And we were so happy to put my money in. I was so happy to be part of something that God was doing. The next one, the next move was a really big move for us. Now, bad picture because I got on the way to the airport when I was travelling, but okay, this is the corner on Wanneroo Road and Whitford's Avenue. Uh, it, is, it is now not a church, but it was where my wife and I got married. So, so this place here, once again, we had to sacrifice. Once again, we had to work by faith. We marched around that thing, Pastor, seven times in silence, and then we called out. We shouted because no one wanted to give us that building. They told us we couldn't have that building. They told us that that church was never going to get that building. We got the building. We got the building. Inside of that building, we put a skate park in the area that we didn't do. We called it God Park. And I saw so many kids got saved, and so many leaders in this city had been birthed through that skate park. And all it took was a handful of people to put their money in. 
There were two diversions after that. There were two, two different diversions. We bought a property which we thought we were, going to, we were going to build, but God had different plans. You see, we sold the property and we made $600,000 on it. The second one is we went and bought a school. Why did we buy a school? Because they were going to sell it to a Muslim organization. We put a hand up and we said, yeah, right. At that stage, that was a lot of money. But we ended up carving some of the property off the school and we put in a subdivision and we sold 26 house and land packages off the back of it, which helped to set us up for the next building, which is this one here. So this one here was the last building that, that I was involved in. So I was the treasurer of the, of the church. It's now been handed over to, to nations. If you see on the left-hand side, there's a sign there. That sign says Wild Kids. Myself and my wife went and bought a child entertainment centre, a, a, a play centre, and we plugged it into this place. That paid for the wages of the, of the church. It paid for the mortgage of the church. And then we were able to bless, bless the church and the pastors to be able to get ahead. That was because a group of people decided to go and to give. Lastly, I want to just, Sam and I were in the UK and you, you'll know these areas. It was at the top of um, the Lakes District and we we're hiking through there. We went into the city and there was something different about this city. The city had the, the sort of the main strip there, but in the back of it was this beautiful church. Fantastic church. What's, what's the history of the church? I asked. They said, well, that's John, one of John Wesley's churches. Oh, you're kidding me. Right, so we go up there and they had a bookstore and I go into this bookstore in this remote place and it had these incredible deep books. My daughter works in the Wesley Centre in Sydney and when I went to see her, she gave me this particular picture. I don't know whether we've got that one there. Okay, this is on the wall there. This is from, this is from John Wesley. You've got to think of when this came about, 1703 to 17. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. 224 years later, I'm walking into what that man sowed in that town. What we have got an opportunity today, guys, is to be able to put something that's going to last 200 years. We've got an opportunity to change our life. We've got an opportunity to see God come in and divinely change our lives. You see, I was sitting in this church, such a small church. Why am I here? Because this church has got what it takes. This church has got Jesus. This church has got worship. This church has got power. This church has got future. This church has just got the anointing, brother. That's why I travel here. That's why I'm here. And I can tell you now, this thing's going to grow. And I speak it into being right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. 
Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.